Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jeff Bezos called me to buy my company. You serious? Personally called me to buy my company and... Amazon's a bookstore. I'm reading about you know, Wall Street Journal. You're losing a million dollars a day. I'm making money. Mm. You know, why would I possibly sell to you for your worthless stock? Right. You know, that was about a $700 million. Oh, my God. Do you still regret that or oh, get over it? Uh, yeah, no, I totally regret it. <laughs> Wherever you guys are watching this show, I would truly appreciate it if you follow or subscribe. It helps a lot with the algorithm. It helps us get bigger and better guests and it helps us grow the team. Truly means a lot. Thank you guys for supporting. And here's the episode. Welcome back to the show, guys. Got with me someone who is always there before everyone else, Perry Belcher. How's it going, man? Man, it's good. It's good. I like the digs down here. This is great. Yeah, it's a great spot. But dude, I'm really impressed with your story, really impressed with what you do and how you're there before everyone. How are you pulling this off? <laughs> oh, man, I don't know. I, I, I've always just been, I think I'm the most curious guy in the room. You know, I always want to know where what's happening next, how that connects to other things. I just form a lot of opinions. I learn differently than a lot of people. I didn't really recognize it. Like, I'd, I've got a, a business partner, Kasim Islam, who's brilliant, by mm-hmm. the way. And uh, um, and he said, you have the oddest learning process. So he had me one time on a mastermind call that's really document, like, when you decide you want to learn something, what do you do? And I, I buy every book available. Mm-hmm. Most are garbage. You know, you scan and you throw away, but a few you pick up. I try to get a hold of those authors that uh, try to form a relationship with them in those few books that I find are really good. I dive YouTube now. Man. Mm. The best money I ever spent in my life was 11 bucks for... The ad blocker? Uh, yeah, the ad blocker <laughs> for YouTube. Because, man, there's amazing stuff on there if you dig. You can yeah. find some really amazing stuff of, you know, really very futuristic thinking. And some of it's crazy. You know, you got to... Um, it's one thing I don't think AI is ever going to be able to do is just totally erase all the... You know, mm. but there's a lot of it's crazy nuttiness, but boy, there's a lot of brilliance on there and it's very up to date, right? Yeah. Listen to podcasts, um, and then try to go to a conference or two and I'll do all that within like a, within like a 60 day period. Mm. And then when I, when I think I've got where I'm at, I sort of sit down and write myself a little book, you know, about that subject mm-hmm. and, uh, um, and I'll test some of those theories and if they're good, maybe I teach them or I use them or. I plow them to my, my portfolio companies, you know. So I don't really consult anymore. I used to do a lot of consulting. Yeah. But now I just have uh, companies I own small pieces of. Mm-hmm. So I'd, I'll just disseminate that information down to the portfolio companies that I work with and to try to help them grow and in turn maybe make a buck, you know. Yeah, I think taking equity in companies, that's how billionaires are made, right? Yeah, I think so. You know, I saw heard somebody say the other day that rich people, rich people invest in, 
you know, made most of their money in real estate and wealthy people made most of their money uh, in business exits. And weirdly enough, Kamal Ravikant is my friend, is Naval's brother, lives here in town, great friend. And uh, uh, he called me not too long ago and he said, hey, man, I got to go, go throw $10,000 in this thing. Hurry up. You know, mm-hmm. you, you got 30 minutes, you know. So I was doing it and, I'm, and I let my uh, profile, I guess, expire at AngelList. So I had to redo it. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm frantically trying to redo my yeah, profile yeah. while I'm trying to put this money in this thing. And uh, one of the top questions was, you know, what's the source of your wealth? Yeah. How much money you got? You know, what's your source of your wealth? And the number one thing was uh, business exit. Mm. So I called Kamal and asked him about it. I said, do you think that's accidental? He said, no, for sure. But So I started digging and... About more than 60% of ultra high net worth individuals, people worth over $30 million. Yeah. Over 60% uh, in the U.S., that was as a result of a business exit. Wow. Uh, 18% was a result of inheritance, which is likely the result of right. business exit. Looks like 80% so, of them. Yeah. So it's something like by the time you get down to who earns to $30 million, who like this earns, accumulates, saves $30 million. Mm-hmm. It's a very small percentage of people, and then you, in in them you've got lottery winners and pro athletes and actors and singers, rappers, yeah, you know, performers, people of extraordinary talent, of which I'm clearly not, <laughs> you know, even though I have this jacket sort of. <laughs> uh, so I think the odds are against you accumulating really high net worth wealth unless you exit. Right. So, and for me, I'm not a good business operator. I'm a good business starter. You know, I'm a good founder. I'm allowed. Shout out to today's sponsor, Rocket Money. Guys, you ever feel like money's just flying out of your account? Well, this app might be able to help you because there's something called subscriptions that are eating out your bank account every single month, and there's apps you don't know about. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Delivery apps, streaming services, you name it. You're probably getting charged a monthly fee by a lot of companies and you don't even know. You can see all your subscriptions in one place on the Rocket Money app and you can cancel all the unwanted subscriptions with one tap. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months and negotiate your bills to be even lower by up to 20%. All you got to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that basically finds and cancels unwanted subscriptions. They help you monitor your spending and they help you lower your bills. Rocket Money has been a great experience for me personally. They've saved me money, um, hundreds of dollars on bills. They were able to go through all of my credit cards, all of my bank statements, see what I was paying for on a monthly basis. And I found a ton of stuff that I don't even use, honestly. I had an Xbox Game Pass that was being charged monthly. I don't even play games. That one was years old and they also lowered some of my bills. My phone bill and my Wi-Fi bill were pretty high. They were over 150 bucks a month and they were able to cut down on those prices. So all in all, shout out to Rocket Money, great product. 
So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash DSH. That's rocketmoney.com slash DSH. Link will be in the description below. I'll see. I'm not a CEO or any of those things. Mm -hmm. I'm not on on the C-suite of any company that I invest in. Too stressful, man. Oh, it's crazy. And those people just have a different mindset. You know, yeah. they're, they're, they typically are, I call them farmer brains, you know, and, and founders have hunter brains. And I think that we, you know, we need, we desperately need high functioning farmers to run our businesses, mm-hmm. but farmers generally can't, st- I always say you could, you could run, that guy could run a McDonald's, but he couldn't run McDonald's. Mm. You know, there's a different thing, you know, if they have a system to run within and a framework and they know, you know, they can run a business really yeah. much better than I can, right. you know, and I, I find them to be incredibly valuable. But as far as, you know, creating the vision for the business uh, and finding a hole in the marketplace yeah. and the proper offer. and You know, visionary. You need an Elon Musk for that. Yeah, yeah, and I, I do that pretty well. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't do, unfortunately, when you do that really well, you typically don't do anything else very well. Yeah. <laughs> you know? so I don't do much of anything else well <laughs> other than that. At least you know your strengths, because I feel like people try to be good at everything. Oh, I don't at all. And it backfires. I make no attempt at it. In yeah. Fact. If I'm not good at something, I make no attempt at getting better at it. That's cool. I only try to get extraordinary at the things I'm already naturally good at. Mm-hmm. And I, I adopted that probably five, six, seven years ago, and that's been a big game changer for me. Yeah. I just gave up on if, – if, if I suck at something, you know, I studied all year, if I'm really successful, now I'm going to be moderate at it. Mm-hmm. So what? Yeah. Nobody gives a – well, sorry, pardon my life. <laughs> no, you're good. You Nobody gives a about moderate. Yeah. Nobody ever got rich being moderate, right? So um, I just want to do what I do better than everybody else. Yeah. You know, those one or two things. Absolutely. Going that. back to the first topic of getting there before everyone else, what were some industries you got in early and how did you identify those opportunities? You know, weirdly enough, uh, looking back at life, every time I've really done well, it's been because I caught a wave. Mm. Uh, timing. I don't, I don't think that, Gray matter matters. I don't think hard work matters nearly as much. I don't, it matters, of course. You know, diligence matters. But it's kind of just being in the flow, right? So my first business was a jewelry business. It was on a push cart in a mall. Well, push carts in malls didn't exist when I started. Mm. It was a brand new thing. And I was like, wow, I can get a, I can get a space in the hallway <laughs> where people have to walk by me for $700 a month in a mall with 30,000 people walking through every day. I'm going to get rich. And I did. Mm. I did extraordinarily well. Um, I had 42 of those things by the time I was legally able to buy beer. Dang. Isn't that crazy? That's nice. Now, now, I tried to operate them, and I went straight to bankruptcy. Yeah. What you were know, they selling? I lost all my money. Jewelry. Oh, jewelry. We were, there were jewelry carts and malls, like you see today. They're all yeah, over yeah. the place. But that was a new concept, then. I did really well with that. Um, Wait, you said you lost it all, though? I lost it all. What happened? I operated them. Oh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I operated those businesses and I didn't know I was really young and stupid. I didn't know anything about, you know, inventory controls and shrinkage and right, employee supply theft chain. and all that stuff. I got employee theft in that particular business. Cause there's no cameras. They're just stealing yeah. whatever. Yeah, a little want. bit. Of, yeah. A little bit of things. So I got tore up in there, but, but I learned, you know, I got beat up, learned a lesson. I sucked my thumb for a little bit and got back on the pony and, and, um, I got into manufacturing of, gourmet coffees and gourmet chocolates when fancy foods were really popular and did mm. really well. And bath products when bath and body works was just starting and did really well. Mm. Um, and then, uh, I got on to the, I got into selling online in, 
don't know if you were born yet. I probably uh, in 1997. I was when I was born. You were born in 97. Yeah. So I started selling online in 97. The year wow. you were born, I started selling online. I didn't know it existed back then. It barely did. <laughs> uh, uh, Amazon really went online in 96, mm. and I was on right after them. Uh, in fact, there's a good story. Uh, Jeff Bezos called me to buy my company. You serious? He personally called me to buy my company in 19. 19- 99 i think what was the company they were uh craftstore.com okay and they and pitched me the vision of Am- Am- amazon's a bookstore i'm reading about you know wall street journal you're losing a million dollars a day i'm making money mm. you know why would i possibly sell to you for your worthless stock right you know that was about a 700 million dollar mistake oh my god so he only offered stock yeah it was stock it was stock and enough cash to pay the tax on the stock and got it but but a but like a advisory seat at amazon god knows where that would have taken whoa it could have went anywhere right do you still regret that or oh, get over it? Uh, yeah no i totally regret it <laughs> <laughs> i totally regret it <laughs> believe me i totally regret it and so i did that and then uh, um and then we just caught yeah the online really caught on for me i bought a lot of stuff like rubberstamps.com and dryraceboard.com and i was mm-hmm. always a domainer buying pro- high profile domains yeah. and building econ properties and and i did uh, swapped a lot of dollars, you know, mm-hmm. and I got in the supplement business, um, uh, and, uh, uh, almost went to jail in that business right. in the, uh, I guess that was 2008. Yeah. The government seized all your products, seized right? everything I had in the world, all my Crazy. property, all my money, all my a st- a local state government. Not, yeah. I was in total federal compliance with everything, but a state government and in fact, a County government. Wow. Yeah, you'd so, be surprised how much power there is there. What and, was the product that they didn't like you selling? Uh, they didn't. I was in Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, they just didn't like me selling supplements. There were there were there was a lot more scrutiny on the supplement business back then than there okay. is now. It wasn't as widely as accepted. Uh, yeah. Now I just go on Amazon and buy. Now different. I wasn't selling anything you can't buy on Amazon today with exactly the same claims, right? Mm-hmm. But it was just a different time, and. I wasn't following the letter of the law. And the biggest mistake that I made was making a lot of money because mm. I was doing, you know, I was doing three, $4 million a month and it was enough money to, and I was, an a- you know, frankly, I'm living in Memphis, Tennessee mm. that has a fairly high poverty level and I'm driving a Ferrari and a Rolls Royce and mm. three Hummers and live in 11,000 foot house and all this. Cr- I just, just an a- right. So you attract a lot of attention right? and, uh, and nobody, Nobody's going to come to your rescue, you know? Yeah. <laughs> He's being abused by the government <laughs> in his Ferrari. It just doesn't work that way. Yeah. So I made a deal and got out of that and got out of there and then went to uh, Austin, Texas with Ryan Dice and started digitalmarketer.com, and, and we became the largest digital marketing training company in the world. And one of the biggest masterminds in the world, which is what I want to dive into, you have a yeah. talent of just connecting the brightest minds. Are you interested in coming on the Digital Social Hour podcast as a guest? We'll click the application link below in the description of this video. We are always looking for cool stories, cool entrepreneurs to talk to about business and life. Click the application link below, and here's the episode, guys. How were you able to scale those masterminds? Uh, it's, hard, it's harder than you think. Um, and it, it's really a curation process. Uh, a friend of mine, Kevin Nations, told me one time, it's one of the most brilliant things about a mastermind I ever heard. You don't join a country club because of who's inside, you join a country club because of who's not inside, hmm. right? So people want to be in a group where they're not annoyed by people that are climbers, basically, that are trying to take something from them. Right. They need to feel like it's a group of peers. Um, you know, one 
is enough to screw a whole mastermind up. Wow, just one person. One. You you gotta you gotta pluck the <laughs> out really 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 fast. The people that are just trying to take from the members. You got you got to get them out. Yeah. You, you got to get them out. You, hopefully you never let them in. Yeah, yeah. But but some people get in. You know. But uh, I've been really lucky with that. We I think War Room was probably the longest running mastermind in history. We, yeah. did, we thirteen did, years. Thirteen years. And uh, and with everybody still thrilled and wanting to be a part of it at the very end, we were still we were at our peak. We yeah. went out on top, and then. Uh, uh, but it was always about, really a lot. A lot of it was about curation, selection of the people inside. Mm-hmm. You just can't let everybody in. Right. You can't if they no matter if they want to pay or not. You get people. We have people that inherited money, and you know they'd show up and hit, they got a big check, and and sometimes they would get in. Mm-hmm. We make it expensive as a barrier, right? What was the price on that one? Uh, Forty thousand a year. I and think. you had a hundred people. No, we had two hundred people in there. Damn. So that's, yeah. What is that? Eight million a year? Yeah, about eight million a year. Wow. Um, and then the one I have now, we limited to a hundred. Mm-hmm. I thought two hundred was a little too big. It is pretty big. I've been in one that had a hundred, and even that was. Pretty, yeah. I didn't even meet everyone, honestly. Well, 100, you typically don't. Not everybody comes to each meeting, right? Right. So the one we have now, Driven Mastermind, it does. Uh, we're at 100. We're sold out in it right now. Um, but it's uh, – uh, we've got 100. But at an average live meeting, about 60 people got it. will come. But we do a weekly call. So we do a call every week, mm-hmm. and then we do um, an annual retreat and a bunch of workshops. So there's a lot to do over the course of the year but so we kind of spread it out to where you get to kind of a la carte pick where you're going to go and what you're going to do mm-hmm. so we don't have it's very rare that we have everybody at one function. yeah so it so a hundred's a manageable number because what you really get 60 or 70 and um and you just kind of make sure there's a lot to watch out for it's a it, it's, they're very delicate groups and if you get something brewing in the group there's no no fault of yours it could be a, a conflict between two members it's almost like churches. Yeah, it's that's the one thing, right? Because I've been part of some masterminds where they present op- investment opportunities, investment goes yeah, to I never, sh- and yeah. then there's some animosity between members. We, we absolutely never do that. Yeah, for that that's probably smart. Uh, it, we absolutely never do that. Uh, it, one of the things that we've seen is conflicts, like competitiveness conflicts. So we'll, you know, you're in real estate investing and I'm in real estate investing and you have a good offer and you talk about it. Now I go back and kind of knock off your offer and things like that. Got it. Or poaching your, you bring an employee or key staff member and somebody else tries to poach your staff member. That's not cool. Or somebody tries to screw your wife or whatever yeah. the case may Dude, be. You know, it was a mastermind that did that. It, it happens, man. <laughs> and you, and those are the things that you're, you're babysitting millionaires. You know, yeah. I called my group. We I always joke. They're the misfit millionaires, you know, cause they're, if they had friends, they wouldn't be, at the mastermind, you know, <laughs> and there's some ego at this level, you know, a lot of oh, successful people have ego. You know who I am. You know, I get my, my lady, we were having a meeting yesterday, runs a mastermind group for me, uh, does all administration, Alyssa, she's fantastic. And she had a member at a, at a thing. She said, do you, do you realize who I am? And <laughs> That's the worst line you could say. Oh, well, I've trained her. I said, she said, yeah, you're, you're awesome. And <laughs> so's everybody here. Yeah. So go take your damn seat and shut the f- up. Right. It's like, you gotta, you can't be. Um, with people that are used to getting everything they want, yeah, you, you can't be, uh, you can't coddle them at all. You got to almost be hard on them, yeah, right? and be tough love with them. Because there's a certain point where numbers don't really matter. It's like, how yeah. are you as a person? Yeah, and what are you? Are you here just to take? If you're here just to take, even if you're nice and you're here just to take, we're going to ask you not to come back. Yeah, because it, uh, if if because resentment will grow out of that for sure. You know. 
it's it's very delicate to manage those things and to grow them. Yeah. And you usually have to start with a big pool of clients, a big pool of people in your audience, and really filter down out of it. Because a lot of people say, well, I'm going to start my business by starting a mastermind. Well, you're surely going to fail. Yeah. Because you, you don't have a, a big enough basket to pick out of. Because mm-hmm. you're trying to pick those perfect, shiny apples out of the basket and put them all in a special basket, right? Exactly. And, and if you don't have a big basket of apples to start, it's going to be very hard to find those shiny apples. That yeah. yeah. So you would recommend people to start smaller and then scale. Yeah. And it is pretty, it's fairly easy if you have a small audience, build a mastermind of eight, 10, 12 people. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, um, we had, when Ryan and I started, we had 24. We had 40, 48, exactly twice as many apply. Mm-hmm. And we decided back then we didn't want to be over 24. So the first were in was 24 people. Wow. And we stayed at 24 for a year. And then I think we went to 36 and mm-hmm. it was kept creeping up. And I think it, it was fine because at 100, you had a bigger network to pull from. And it was good for everybody. Yeah. But I think beyond 100, it started washing out. You know, yeah, that makes sense. I know you're big on newsletters right now. Those are pretty hot. There's companies selling yeah. their newsletters for eight oh, figures. It's the best business in the world right now, I think. Yeah. It's the catalyst. It, it, I've, everybody used to ask me all the time, if I, if I hadn't done anything, where should I start? And I would start with a newsletter. Mm. It's so easy to get subscribers. It's so easy to get them to uh, consume your content. Um, it's the starting place for just about anything. Mm-hmm. You know, you could write a news, you write 750 word newsletter every day. And in 60 days you have a book, right? Yeah. You know, you got a book. Well, why don't you start a podcast? You've mm-hmm. heard a podcast probably. Um, <laughs> I'm just joking, but yeah, why don't you start a podcast now? So it's the catalyst for everything, but it's the only asset right now that I think that really has this formulaic exit value. You know, if you've got subscribers in X category, each active subscriber is worth X exit and exit. So, right. so you're building an asset that you can earn from, and uh, exit from, which is kind of rare in the digital space. Yeah, you know, we we built AI software to build newsletters, so we we manage all we manage nineteen daily newsletters now. Uh, wow, software. So it's it's a it's a huge piece of what we do. Yeah, I see guys like Sam and Sean uh, oh, selling their newsletters in Sam under a year. Parks killed it. Yeah, uh, Sean sold his in under a year his yeah. crypto newsletter. I'm like, yeah. holy crap! There's not Was many. That Milk Road. I think so, yeah. 10 million in 10 months. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's not many businesses you could just no. do that with. And to think about it, it's just it's just a damn email. Yeah. You he know, even outsourced everything. He wasn't yeah. even doing that much. <laughs> Did you see the exit on uh, uh, Industry Dive? No. What was it? 525 million. Holy. For that 20, was a newsletter? For 28 digital newsletters. Jeez. Isn't that crazy? That's nuts. But but what they figured out was, you know, they're... they're Plastics dive, banking dive, pharmaceutical dive. Mm-hmm. So they're they're smaller pop, they're smaller subscriber list newsletters, but in super high value uh, markets. Mm, yeah, the customer can spend oh, a lot yeah, of money. Yeah, if you're if you're if your sponsor's buying a thing at the top of your newsletter for a three million dollar X ray machine, mm-hmm. you know. Oh my gosh, you're good. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it happens. Hey mom, just kidding. <laughs> uh, but yeah, if if you're you know, uh, if if you're if you got a pharmaceutical newsletter and your advertiser's selling a, you know, or selling docs on prescribing a, you know, these these companies come out with a new, they put a half a billion dollars in a marketing campaign for the first twelve months, right? You know, big company. and it's newsletters because there's established advertising platforms now, you don't really have to have anything to sell. Yeah, you can just create great content in a newsletter, and get advertisers to support the newsletter much much better than you ever could have blogged. 
Yeah. And I like the model because you can literally outsource pretty much everything and just focus on growing the newsletter. Yeah. We write most of it with, uh, we write most, write most of ours with AI. At least we start with AI. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we'll do these accumulative, like curated newsletters, kind of like the Drudge Report newsletter. Yeah. So we've got one that it's called the Capitalist and you just three thumb swipes and you get everything you learn from the Wall Street Journal and three thumb swipes. Oh, that's cool. So everything we do is try in three thumb swipes. We want nice and quick. Yeah, nice and quick. And then if they want to dive deeper into something, they're going off to somebody else's content generally that we didn't create, and we're fine with that. Yeah. We're just curating the best content for them for that particular day and uh, presenting it in a way. And and if they like our curation, we win, Mm -hmm. right? If they don't like our curation, we won't. Um, It's always say, like, if you you had an ingrown toenail and hurt you, and I clipped out a newspaper article from my local newspaper and sent it to you, and it cured your ingrown toenail. Mm. Well, you're not going to be grateful to the newspaper. You're not going to be grateful to the guy that wrote the article. You'll be grateful to me for sending it to you and identifying, hey, I, I remember you got a problem, and I'm, I'm here to fix it. So, so being a curator has a great deal of value, especially where in today's market where we're just inundated with every opinion under the sun. We're kind of looking for – most people are looking for somebody to give us clarity. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like you mainly focus on high ticket. Um, when I made that switch from low ticket to high ticket offers, my life changed, honestly. Yeah. I used to sell $50 shirts. Now I don't do anything under 5000 bucks. Yeah. And my life changed. Yeah. I still have low ticket businesses, but generally speaking, they I call them washouts, right? Mm-hmm. So we'll sell, I don't know if you know Lion's Not Sheep or not. That's not ours. Yeah. But, but they start, they sell t-shirts mm-hmm. into a... or $15,000 masterminds. Right. Right. So I think that there's, you know, there's, there's definitely a place for a low ticket business. The newsletter business is great for print on demand. We, we tell it, sell a lot of people into the print on demand business. Um, but print on demand is very difficult to make money in. Very. So is drop shipping. Yeah. But it's really easy to acquire a customer for a physical good that identifies them as a thing. Mm. Like if you were going to sell a podcasting microphone, right. That you drop ship from, Asia, you know, and on the back of it, go, hey, you want to be a podcaster? Right. Come, come give me X dollars and I'll teach you how to be a great podcaster. And that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Because you can wash out the call. You can lose money on the front of that. And the thing I like about physical, physical, this converts at such a higher uh, rate than than digital front end products. Mm. You know, physical will always convert three, four times better, not three, four hundred percent better. Wow. On the front end. So I'd rather sell you a T-shirt that says "Kiss the Podcaster," and then say, "Oh, you're a podcaster. Well, why don't you join my podcasting mastermind or whatever?" It's a much better way to to bring a lead in. Yeah, that makes sense. I think where people struggle is they just sell the physical with no pipeline yeah. down the road. Well, they copy me a lot. A lot, of, <laughs> a lot of people copy my business model, thinking I'm going to go sell that five dollar widget like Perry does, yeah. and I'll get rich. <laughs> and they just burn all their money up in traffic, and they go away in a couple yeah. of weeks. How does that make you feel when you see people copying your exact business model? Absolutely don't mind at all. You don't mind it? No. I teach everything that I teach the people. Please go use it. Do it. I mean, it's a huge universe, dude. It yeah. doesn't bother me in the least. I think you can it's teach a, a lot, but very few will actually implement it too. Very few. And and sometimes I'll have business partners or advisors who are like, man, I can't, don't tell them about that. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. You know, if somebody does well with it, they're going to probably go on to spend a lot more money with me. Right. If they learn an idea... You know, I'm really very big in now, very big into the give away the idea, sell the implementation. Mm-hmm. And because I think the market for ideas is overflowing, right? It's too much. Clearly. 
Uh, so everybody's still trying to get money out of, oh, my idea is worth blank. Well, your idea is not worth without execution, right? Yeah. So uh, give away your brilliant ideas. Show people how smart you are, and maybe they'll take it. Some are going to take it and run with it on their own, and God bless them. I hope they do well. Yeah. You know, most won't. Most are going to be like, because you, being a Sherpa to people is another great skill. Like if you, if you went to climb Everest tomorrow, if you decided that was a goal you were in, there's no way you would do it without a Sherpa. Right. You know, you see that, those pictures, of the little guy standing on the top of the hill with the frozen snot hanging out of his nose and shivering and he's got nine <laughs> layers of whatever on and he's dying. He's at the top of Everest going, made it mom, you know. <laughs> And then there's a little Nepalese guy standing behind him carrying a 200-pound knapsack and a T-shirt. Yeah. That's like, okay, get your picture, dude. we got to go back down. <laughs> I got another guy coming up in the morning, right? Yeah. It's just, to that guy, it's just Tuesday, right? So uh, people will pay for, for a Sherpa if they're smart. Uh, dumb people won't, which is good because it filters the dumb people out, you know? Yeah, you never want to cheap out on education because it's, it's one of the fastest ways to grow. Yeah, it's one of the biggest mistakes I think people make when they go to a higher ticket, when they go to selling to more experienced business people or what have you, or, or, or more affluent people. Um, most of the time when people are at that level, they've already bought into the concept. They're probably already pretty educated. Mm -hmm. uh, what they're buying is the same thing you're buying when you get the Sherpa going up Everest, right? You're buying mistake avoidance. Mm. That's the most high ticket. you got to change the way you think because mm -hmm. low-ticket products are curiosity, confidence, you might get some software that gives you speed and ease, right? But when you get to advisory and you're selling, you know, $50,000, $100,000, quarter million dollar engagements or, or like me saying, give me some equity in your business, you yeah. know, I'll help you do whatever if you give me some equity in your business. When you get to that point, there, I hardly ever get somebody that calls me and says, hey, Perry, how do I do blank? Mm -hmm. What I typically get is, hey, Perry, we're about to do blank. What do you think? You know, and that's, because I'm I'm old and I got experience, right? right. I, it sucks because you get old and you got all this damn experience and capital and resources, but I don't have the energy, <laughs> right? You got energy, but a lot of people your age have energy, but they don't have capital and resources, and they certainly don't have experience right. and wisdom of just been the beat out of you a thousand times. You eventually learn a lot about what not to do, mm. right? But so it's great when I compare with young energetic folks. Uh, and I'll give them the idea. I'll give them the business model. I'll give them everything if they don't have one because oftentimes their idea sucks. <laughs> yeah. And I've got things over here I've already proven out. I know it will work. I just need a jockey to go ride that horse. Here. Right. So, um, but, yeah, it's a, it's, a fun, it's a fun world. Yeah. That's why I like being a minority. Let the, let the young guy that's got – the young guy or the young lady that's got all the energy and the smarts, let them have the lion's share of the win. I just, yeah. I'll have my little – as old Bradley says, just a little piece for <laughs> a piece for your niece, a little tad for Brad. Right? And it's cool that you could speak from experience because you've lost everything multiple times. Oh yeah, so yeah. you know all the big mistakes. Fortunately, not in about sixteen years. <laughs> I'm on a pretty good run. I think you you're know? good now. I think, I think I'm good. three strikes is is good. Yeah, I'm about sixteen years of running good right now. So yeah. I'll, I'll take it. But you hear a lot of guys that are successful; they lose everything <clears throat> at least once. I think you need to. Yeah. Yeah, I think you need to, and a lot of those guys get beat up and they're washed out and they're done. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they tuck tail and, and that's the end of their, they get too hurt. They don't want to get back on the pony again. I've been fortunate. I've never had a job, right? My whole life. And I grew wow. up, I grew up in a housing project in Paducah, Kentucky. So Jeez. I grew up dirt poor. Mom was a nurse's aide and all that. And a, as rough a life as you could imagine. And, but I just refused to have jobs growing up. I, I, I started a lawn, 
a lawn business when I was 14. I was selling uh, split tag polo shirts out of the back of my car when I was 16. You know, mm-hmm. I was selling at jewelry stores by the time I was 18. I just never saw the idea of having a job as a good idea for me. I think it's a very good idea for the vast majority of people. But I'm a I'm of the belief that only about five percent of people should be in business. That they just don't have the they don't have the wherewithal for it. You got to think differently. Well, they don't have that brain. They don't have that farmer's brain, hunter's brain. The the, the we don't have farmers don't have as many receptors in the back of their brain to receive praise as farmers do. Mm. And most people are farmers. Twelve thousand years ago, agricultural uh, revolution happened. And most people realize they could have a much easier, safer life if they dropped a seed in the ground and put a pin in an animal and lived in a farmhouse. Yeah. It was a much safer life than walking around seeing if the bear's going to eat you or not. Yeah, I was watching videos of uh, farmers during the Great Depression. They weren't even affected. <laughs> yeah. Because they just had their farms. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. If There's a book by uh, Doug Brockman called Driven. It's really, really good. And it talks a lot about the farmer and the hunter brain. The book's pretty good. The, 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 the first three chapters of the book are extraordinary. If you're an entrepreneur, read it because you'll just be blown away by mm. how. I got to check that out. Yeah, how it, it's, it'll, you'll think that he's talking to you inside your head. That's like, awesome. Everything that uh, resonates with entrepreneurs, he's figured out. Mm. And, and most of it has to come down to that, that serial entrepreneurism is, is all the, the hunter brain looking for what's on the horizon, you know, That's going cool. out on the hunt. Man, it's been a great episode. Anything you want to close off with, promote? Any events coming up? I got nothing to promote. I do an AI Bot Summit every year, but I don't think we've set dates yet for next year. It's going to be in March. Okay. Um, I do some workshops every now and then. If they want that AI software, that, that uh, newsletter software, it's uh, letterman.ai, and it's free until, I think, next year. Cool. We'll put it in the description. And you got a mastermind coming up for six-figure earners? Yeah, I got six-figure earner mastermind. It's called Ignite. Um, there's not even a site for it yet. We're, okay. we're basically sold out. And wow. thousand Driven, people? Driven's completely sold out. Dang. So, so we're, I think we're, by the time we, by the time we put the website up for Ignite, I think we'll be full. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good problem to have, man. It's, it's crazy. It's been a lot of fun though. Yeah. Uh, and I just think, I, you know, I've, I've been around a long time too. I think it just, some people just buy whatever. Yeah. They, they know me. Awesome. To have that reputation, it takes years. Yeah, it, it, it helps. Right? Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on, man. Thanks, Sean. Appreciate yeah. it. Thanks. Thanks for watching, guys. As always, see you next time.